it's uh, very exciting uh, just to let you know that to get to this evening meeting tonight, traveled 16 hours from Los Angeles to uh, Dubai, then uh, watched a heck of a lot of movies. Come to me for some feedback, I'll help you to know what to choose on your next date night. Uh, then we had an eight-hour overlay in Dubai. It was very hot, very, very hot. And then we traveled another 10 hours from Dubai to Cape Town just to get to this evening meeting. Yeah, thank you. There we go. And some of you guys dragged your heels off the beach this afternoon. I know it. So don't feel guilty, but I put a bigger effort than you. Anyway, it's good. But it's really great to be home in all seriousness. We're so excited. We uh, got the privilege to travel around America for three and a half weeks, which is mind-blowing. But I want to tell you, there's no place like home. I feel like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. But it was really a phenomenal time. So I don't have many friends who come around to my house. I know, that's where you're supposed to say, oh, you know, oh, tough, tough shame. But I don't know if you remember in the old, in the back in the olden days, in the back in the days, whenever somebody went on holiday, they'd come back and have their friends around and go through the photos, you know. And you're saying, this is us eating an ice cream. And you're supposed to oh, and this is us drinking a Coke. Oh, you, do you remember that? Anyone used to do that? Well, I don't have many friends to invite around to my home, or it's too small to invite all of you. So I thought I'd do that a little bit tonight first. Is that all right? If you said no, I was still going to do it. So anyway, (laughs) this is not a democracy. America is, and because of that, they almost might have Trump as a president. So democracy is not good. (laughs) Just joking. So let's see some of the photos. Just I want to show you a little bit there. By no means the extent of my trip, but just some highlights. One night, we, we got there one of our first nights. This is Radio City in New York. And uh, we walked past there and we were like saying, hey, there's a, America's Got Talent on here. So we said to him, how do we get tickets to this thing? And she said, no, it's the finale tonight. We're like, oh, okay. She goes, do you guys want to go? We're like, yeah. She says, okay, hold on. She ran inside, got two tickets, gave them to us, said, run on, going in. So we got to be at the finale of America's Got Talent, cheering it on. Never watched it in my life, but I cheered every contestant as if they're my favorite. Back you. And uh, the amazing thing, just to let you in on the secret I thought was amazing, and really, if this is all you get out of tonight, may this be good. Write this down. Was um, at the, you know they have advert breaks and live shows. I've, I just always thought this. I always thought they could say, we'll be back after the break, and it's live. So what do the audience do during a live show. Um, what they do is they had a comedian come out, a, a, a guy who was not involved in the show, he came out and entertained the crowd for the five minutes during advert breaks and kept them going. And then, then they said, we're going back, coming back from commercials in 10, 9, everyone on your feet, everyone, yelling, yelling. You know, I always wonder why the audience always pumped. Now we know why. I was there. I was like, oh. And uh, the amazing thing is, you know, when the, I don't know if you watch any of these reality shows with judges, the panel, and you always think they've got such clever little one-liners they say to each other. Like, oh, they're so witty and so clever. Scripted! All of it! Frauds. They had uh, the cue cards, and the guys had to do it a couple of times. Howie Mendel, I don't know if you know him, if you watched that show, anyway. Yeah. Just throwing out the name, I'm from New York. No. <laughs> yeah, they scripted, they read and had to do it a couple of times in advert breaks. I just thought that was phenomenal. I thought it was just amazing to see that behind the scenes. There we go, eh? And Nick Cannon looking quite cool. But uh, just, uh, I thought that was quite exciting. Next, next picture, this is us at the, uh, X Factor. What's it? America's Got Talent, X Factor, they're all the same. The voice. Let's be honest, it's all the same. Anyway, next photo, this is us in Times Square, which is larger than life, which is amazing, the city that never sleeps. Next photo, this is us at Hillsong, New York, and that's Brian Houston. He was there preaching to us, Brian Houston, and it was really amazing. Um, thank you for my wife laughing at my, inter- my impression. Obviously, he wasn't that good. He was like, what's he doing? Anyway, Brian Houston preached, and this was amazing. Hillsong, New York, it's, done in a, it's in a club. They have queues going out there, queue for church. 
amazing, incredible excitement, a lot of fun. Next one, this is a friend of mine named Rob Chifakoyo who I grew up in Zimbabwe with. This amazing man, uh, he now lives in Philadelphia and he's uh, um, involved in the leadership of a church. He's going to plant a church. He's doing a residency there and he's going to plant a church in America. Um, he get, got to America because he had a kidney disease. And in a in sense, his one kidney died and his other one was dying. And he had to be, there's no medical help for him in Zimbabwe and a church in America who only knew him through one person. But the word got out and that church in America paid over 200,000 US dollars for his operation. They, they changed, they went and appealed to the local Congress to change the laws so that this foreigner could get on the kidney transplant list. So they went and they, they changed laws for this guy and some, a guy in the church gave him his kidney, the second kidney. This is amazing. This guy is alive because a community said, we want to be generous to this guy they didn't even know. And I was like, God, what a phenomenal community. And I, the, what's even more exciting for me is that this guy, he, we have O-levels and A-levels in Zimbabwe, and he failed O-levels the first time and passed it the second time. And uh, he now is planting a church in America, and he's just written his first book. Amazing. He struggled to pass English at high school. What God can do when we trust Him. And I just think, uh, for me, it was an exciting thing saying, God, let us as this community be that for somebody else as well. Would we do that and be a generous people who go out way beyond what is normal or expected to love on people? I want that to be our story as well. I think it's phenomenal. Rob Chivakoro, amazing man. Next one, this is the Skyline. I just thought it was quite cool. That's the new One World Trade Center. Um, there used to be two. There's no one. Anyway, you don't bring that up in America. No. Anyway, this is another, another thing, not a great photo, but that man in the middle is Justin Donlan. He used to live in South Africa three years ago. No, go back, go back. Show us Just, Justin again. He's so handsome. Um, he, he and his wife and two kids left South Africa, Joburg, the comfort life, to go to Boston to um, take over a church. They went to take over the church. That thing fell through, and they ended up um, so very, uh, they've moved everything. They went into a lot of a very dark time where they just felt, geez, we've left everything, and it hasn't panned out. We left everything for God, and it's not going easy. And we got to spend a night with them, having dinner, praying with them, and they have decided, they, they felt God, they went through this tough time, they picked themselves up off the floor, and they thought, should we go home? And they said, no, but God spoke that we must be here. So they're planting their own church. They've got 10 people with them. And they're so upbeat, so expectant, so excited. And for us, it was such an encouragement to go from a Hillsong, New York, which is pumping and big and loud and large, to a, a guy's home who has put everything on the, li- on the line for the gospel, and going, God, you use both so beautifully and so powerfully. So we just were so encouraged by that. I think it's amazing heroes in the faith. Next one is uh, if you've been at Life Change any length of time, the last two, two years ago, a good friend of ours, in the middle man named Dean Rass, his wife uh, was at home with their baby, um, and they've got a little boy called Daniel Richard, who's amazing, and they left our church to go to Reading, California, to go to a church called Bethel, and they are thriving. They are so incredible, amazing couple. And that lady in the middle next to Dean, I was right, is uh, Greg Scott's wife. Greg, there you are, Greg. You're right. You're still alive. Your wife's been there for a while. She came. She met us over there as well, and she's gone there for a week's conference as well. And we were at the church Bethel. We sing a lot of their songs here, and we got the privilege to be there, and it was phenomenal. Very cool. And I think the next photo, very quickly. Yeah, this is an amazing man. This is on Malibu Beach. Still, I throw a name drop. Yeah, Malibu. And this man, Rob Hutton, led a church in uh, in in Durban, and then he felt the call of God. And they went and they took over a church in Dubai. And they're leading a church there. They're planting churches into Dubai. But more than that, every year he flies back and he goes into rural Zimbabwe and does mission work there and is doing incredible things. And then he also takes, goes into Sri Lanka 
and they've been, they go all over the nation and they've been ministering to, to people who do not even have the, a clue who Jesus is, preaching the gospel, loving on people, and, uh, and they're wanting to plant a church in Colombo. So if any of you feel the stirring, Colombo is a city that needs the gospel. And it's just so exciting to meet men and women who are, who are not just singing, be my everything, but living it. And I know we don't have to go and plant a church for that to be our song, but I was like, God, let that be my reality. Let's sing that, not just because it's easy off our lips and because there's a cool melody, but God, let it be true for us as life changers. So just amazing. Is there one more? There, just to show your familiar face on, in the middle there, Mark Van Pletzen. He's, if you don't know, if you're new tonight, he is a man who uh, leads the church here, and he, we were in Malibu together, a few friends from around the country. We were at a conference with uh, about 80 church planters, which was so inspiring, so encouraging, an incredible time. So... There you go. And uh, the privilege is to be home. As I said, as I said, I traveled for, we, we, we don't know what happened to Friday. We left Thursday evening, and we had breakfast Friday morning, and then we landed, and it was dinner in Dubai. So I'm like, where did Friday, the 9th of October, go? And as I said this morning, if a detective one day comes to me and says, where were you on the 9th of October? I say, I don't know. I, I really, I don't know. I really don't know what happened to that day. Time travel is real. It's phenomenal. <laughs> First time out of Africa, I'm just like, what the heck is this thing called? Anyway, so somebody asked me this morning, they said, are you jet lagged? And I, I responded, and I've longed to say this, and I'll say it again. Tonight I'm preaching not with jet lag, but with jet swag. Mm. <laughs> Boom. Just a few things I picked up in America, you know. Anyway, jet swag. So if you're new with us tonight... Uh, I want to say welcome. We are in the series called My Money, My God, and we're so excited. And if you're going, oh, I've come, walked into church, and they're talking about money. Yes, we are. But I uh, just want to bring you up to speed of where we're at. This, we don't talk about money a lot, and probably we should, because, you know, Jesus spoke about money more than he spoke about hell. It's in there. It's in the Bible. And I think us as a church are afraid to talk about that thing, but we, we really are people who don't speak about it often, but we really feel that we actually should be speaking about more because, let's be honest, what consumes our minds more than most things is money. I think if we're honest with ourselves, and uh, we're really saying this is a third series on, on finance or on money that we've done in 16 years, which we think is too little. We need to be preaching about this, um, not every week, but a lot more than we have been. And uh, as Malcolm Herbert, who did a phenomenal job, if you were here a few weekends ago, Malcolm Herbert preached, I listened to it, and I was just so inspired by his incredible gift of teaching. And he said that we are speaking to the heart, not to the pocket. That is the desire of the series. We're not speaking to your wallet, but more to our hearts. And uh, because there's a, ma- a, a famous preacher named Warwick Stradham, who was our worship leader tonight, once said, he said that Jesus doesn't want your money. He just doesn't want your money to have you. Jesus doesn't need our money. He's not going, oh, really? He's not a poor, he's not destitute, he's not in a recession, he's not, he's not got in debt. He is a God who is lavished, he has got everything at his fingertips. But he knows that he needs us to be a people who are giving and are generous because he doesn't want our money to be in control of us. I think that's profound. So the issue of this series is freedom. That's why we're preaching. We want freedom in every area. If you want to know why we do this thing of church and community and why we believe the gospel, we do believe the gospel that brings freedom, that for the spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And freedom is only freedom when you are totally free. We believe we want freedom in our sexuality. We want freedom in our finances. We want freedom in our marriages. We want freedom in our lives. We want space and life. We don't want to be under bondage of sin and guilt and shame. We want freedom. 
Who's up for that? I am. I'm in for that. I want, I want it. Whatever the gospel promises, I want it. And that's what we believe. We want freedom. And uh, Tim Keller said this quote that's been quoted a lot through the series. He says, our hearts are idol factories. And I find that profound because I know maybe you have, when you hear idols, you think of those little chiseled gods that Hindu gods or things like that from, from Eastern religions. But I believe idols are some much more are scarier things than that because idols are anything that takes the place of God in our heart. And I know my heart is a wicked heart. My heart, and if, I think if we're honest, our hearts are very prone to put, make things that make themselves bigger than God. And I know money is one of those prime things because uh, Tim Keller argues, he says that, that sometimes, you know, sexual sin is very easy to spot. You know it. Everyone knows it. Oh, or, or you know, theft. Oh, we know that. We, you know, it's quite easy to discern which is, what is right and wrong. But he said greed is a sly thing because greed is relative always to there's somebody else who you think is greedier than you. I'm not greedy. Oh, you should see him. Oh, you should see him. Greed is, but greed is a thing that, that's why we need the series to, to show us. The Bible is, calls itself a mirror that's able to show us what is in our heart so that we can have freedom. So we're preaching this, and just to make sure that we know this, you might have heard this many times during the series, but we as a church, now, shock horror, we don't believe in a thing called a prosperity gospel. Okay, we don't. I grew up in, in, a, in a country where we used to have, before the offering, before the, the giving portion, they used to have a mini sermon, which used to compel you to give. And all of a sudden, in Zimbabwe, American accents came out when we talked about money. Didn't understand why. But there was a phrase they used to say that I used to just think, what is it? They used to say this phrase. They used to say, you can't have Mercedes-Benz living if you have go-kart giving. And the church would be like, mm, mm, mm. And I was like... No, 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 taking my, my, my amens back. No. What is that about? That's weird. It's, it's, it's making God to be this Godfather, not Father God, but distorting Him to be the Godfather, saying, if you give, He will bless. As if He's a jukebox. We don't believe in a prosperity gospel. But on the same breath, we don't believe in a poverty gospel, which says that the poorer you are, the more spiritual. Can I tell you, any gospel that needs you to put another word in front of it to describe what it is, is not the gospel. There's only one gospel, and it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is perfect theology. So we want to preach him. We don't want to make up new theologies that are around him. We want to see him. And I, I, but I believe tonight, as we preach and throughout the series, the grid, we look at our money, and any issue in the Bible is that we have to look at the Father through the eyes, knowing that he is our Father. That's the lens we look at. God is our Father. He is for us. He's not against us. He wants to bless us. And we have to look at the lens through that, but he's not a jukebox. Anyway, so tonight, that's just a little bit of a prelude. I've got three points, and then just to, and then not foreign things. You probably have heard them many times in the series. I just want to give it through from my perspective. And then I'm going to call up an incredible man named Andrew McPherson. Andrew Danger McPherson. That's your middle name? No? And uh, he's got, this guy's been doing incredible things, and we're going to put some flesh to, to the theory that I expound up front here. And I'm going to ask him up here. I'm going to ask him a few questions, and we're going to make this thing real. Is that all right? Then we'll call it a night, drink coffee together, have fun. Good. Let's pray. Father, I pray for the next 25 minutes as we chat and interview and, and just engage with your word. Would you make the scripture come alive? We thank you, God, for our hearts. We, right now, I, even as I preach, God, I don't want to just preach to, I'm not preaching to an audience or a, 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 doing a show. I pray, Father, as a community, together we come to your word and say, we put our hearts on, lay them bare and say, God, would you shape our hearts tonight? be it through one line, be it through uh, one word that you whisper, maybe even not even as a preacher preaches, maybe something that your spirit lights, God, will our hearts change? We come humble ourselves before your word. 
Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. So three words that help us, for me, that help us view, get a biblical view of how we are supposed to deal with money from the Bible. Number one, and this will come up on the screen behind us, is the word stewardship. You might have heard of this throughout the series. I want to nail it one more time. Stewardship, a quick quote behind me will come up. Tim Keller says this, A steward is a person who has been entrusted with another's resources and who seeks to manage those resources according to the owner's vision and values. He went on in his book, it's not up behind me, but I'll carry on. He says, the gospel calls us to recognize that everything we have is a gift from God and that those gifts are to be used for his glory and to further his kingdom. Scripture even calls Christian, Christians caretakers of God's gifts and truth. So the scripture opens, the grand narrative scripture, the first posture we call to in everything, Genesis 1.28, God says to man, he says to man, I'm going to, he says, I'll give you this big mandate, he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and take dominion over it. He gives man this, this, this thing, he gives man everything, this profound moment, but with that, if we understand through a lens of stewardship, God gives man these two incredible words that go hand in hand, you can't have one with the other, is he gives man authority but not without accountability. He gives man authority and accountability. He makes us master and slave in the same breath. He makes us, he makes us rulers. Yeah, he says, take, you rule this earth. Make it, influence this earth. Have Christians, we call to shine bright. We call to, I was going to say shine bright like a diamond, but that's just Rihanna. It's like, that's not scripture. As Rihanna once said, no, we call to, we call to influence. We call to, to in, take the gospel and expand it and, and grow culture and have big voices in this world, not shrink back. But he, so he puts authority in our hands, but he says, you will have accountability to what you do with this gospel. That's stewardship. And the incredible truth of stewardship is to understand it as I think uh, Mark once said, nothing revs like a rental. No, a rental car. Whenever you've got a rental car, it's almost like, you don't really stress about things because, you know, you're giving it back. You don't have to account for what happens after that. You're like, use it for one day. Cheers, I'm going home. And uh, so much so that you, we, you might be, for example, in Los Angeles on your way to the airport. You might be, just saying. This is just figurative. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Maybe Mark from Pearson's driving the rental car. I'm just saying. Might have happened, might have not have. Just saying. And you're driving down one of the main freeways in Los Angeles, which is and you miss the turn off to the airport. Maybe. So, whoever's driving the car, maybe Mark and Pletson, maybe, <laughs> driving, reverses all the way back down the freeway. <laughs> maybe. Maybe just because it was a rental car. I don't know. Let's just say, figuratively, it happened. Okay? Let's just say that. But I really think that when we live with that mentality sometimes, uh, jokes aside, that we live with, that we don't have to give account for things in our lives. We think it's for me and for my pleasure, I can use it and don't have to give account. We will have to give account with everything he's given us. Can I tell you this incredible truth? Is that Fiona is my wife, not because of my choice. Can I tell you I know that because I am a terrible flirter. I didn't do well there. I promise you. My jokes weren't, aren't that great. They, I'm not that cool. Some of you might just feel free. If anyone said amen, I was ready to pack it up. Eh? Preach it, brother. You're not. No, but I know that actually, if we understand God, and is that he is a God who gave me this wife. He gave her to me, and he gives me authority and says, lead her, love her, lay your life down for her. Because, but there's going to be accountability. When I come back, I'm going to say, how's my girl? 
And if I went to pray, I go, God, you know my wife, she's this. He goes, who, who are you talking, you talking about my girl, hey? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's authority with her. I've got authority to lead her into more that God has, but there will be accountability with it. Same thing with everything. That uh, your kids, you have authority over your kids. They're a gift from God. Your kids are not because you're great at lovemaking. <laughs> Just to let you know. I know that much about biology. That's not the skilled lovers have better looking kids. I know that. They're gifts from God. They're gifts from God. And God says, I'm giving you authority over them, not to domineer, but to lead them into the fullness he has, but authority, and I'm giving you accountability. One day I'm going to say, what did you do with your children? For the gospel, for the glory of God, did you use them? Same thing with my house, with my job, with my, with my time, with everything. God says, I'm giving you authority. Lead your life well. But there's accountability. And for us to understand stewardship, we have to look at every area of our, lens, our life through that lens, saying, God, you've given me authority. So that means don't abdicate your authority. Pick that authority up. Lead your family. Yeah. Lead your life. Lead your emotions, knowing that there'll be accountability. It's a, it's a profound thing for me. Um, somebody once said, master your money, or it will master you. It's the truth. The Bible says it this way, no man can serve two masters. Basically says, you choose. God or money. You choose who you're going to serve. And, uh, and I think we have to do that in every area of our life. And the prayer that I've been praying is saying, God, would you master me? Would you master me, God, and would you master my wallet? That's the prayer I'm praying often. And uh, a man, Louis Giglio, did this incredible illustration a few years ago. I saw he put a whole table out and he got a table full of American dollar bills, you know? Just full. So it looked very impressive. Not Zimbabwean dollars, American dollars. <laughs> Amazing. And uh, what he did was he got a, a dividing ruler thing and he pushed aside what was like 10% of it, and he started speaking about tithing. And now, let me tell you this, a disclaimer, we believe in tithing. If you weren't here last weekend, I listened to Mark's sermon on the, on the, on the internet, go listen to it. He spoke about tithing in an expert way. And I want to say, go listen to it. Go and get a, a revelation of what tithing is. But Louis Giglio said this incredible thing. He says, sometimes we think that once I've just tithed, 10% is God, the rest is mine. I've tithed. Don't tell me what to do with the rest of my money. I've tithed. And, and, and he says, the problem with that is we end up making God seem like a waiter. Who else do we give 10%? Oh, I think he did a good job tonight. We'll give him 10% this month. Yeah, yeah, well done. As if he's there to serve us. But when we understand stewardship, he's the master, he's the Lord, he's the king. This is all his. Can I tell you right now, this might shock and scare you. All of your money is his. All of it. Every last cent. Tithing is just the starting point. It's all his. And we have to choose, saying, God, with all of this, I want to be a steward of all of your money, God, and how I'm going to use it. There's nothing of it that we can just spend out whatever we feel like because God is calling us to account. He said, I'll give you authority how to spend your money. You can spend it, but there will be accountability to it. Sounds heavy, but it's so freeing. It's so freeing because it brings order, brings freedom. So stewardship's the first word. We'll tie it all together. Ends. Second word is contentment. Genesis 1 tells us authority is given and with accountability. Genesis 3 goes on and speaks about the fall. And you've probably heard this many times if you've been in church. But if not, if you're new to church, let me bring you up to speed. What happens is that man is given everything. And this is just a very quick version. Satan comes and says to, to Adam and Eve and says, God gave you everything. But she's withheld that tree. And he points them to something that they don't have. And they, and they go, oh, you're right. We don't have that. Oh, wow, how can God be so cruel to us? God gave him everything. 
Oh, we want that. We want what we don't have. And discontentment sets in. The first discontent heart gets, man sins because they were discontent with what God was wanting to give them. And I want to say, when we don't allow God to be king in an area in our lives, we allow our appetites to take over. Let me tell, let's say it this way. I was just thinking about it, and I was very crude this morning, so I was trying not to be, just was a little bit overtired, so I just was saying things. Sheesh, you missed out this morning. <laughs> but I want to say, but it's a sort of understanding that God gives us authority, but he gives us our appetites. Appetites are good things. So here's the thing. Sex is a beautiful gift from God. It's a gift from God. I heard a few amens from a few men, just to say. Amen. But he gave us in a context. But the problem is, he, he said to us, he says, sex is a beautiful thing, but he said, control your appetite. I don't know if you've met a teenage boy or a teenager, they go, I'm so hungry, I could die. They're not literally going to die. They just, they, they can't control their appetite. And, they, you know, and I think we live with that. We, and then sex, we, we're not led by wherever our lusts or our desires take us. I mean, that's what the problem with us, is, with the world today, is men, and I just say this to take full responsibility, don't you, women I'm sure also as well, but, but we are led by our lusts, not by what God has called us to. We led by, oh, I'm, I'm horny, I'm going to have sex, man, I've got to have a release. Oh, I've got to do it, I have to. I'm going to die if I don't. We maybe don't say it that way, but we live by our, our appetites, but God says control your appetite. You have authority to control it. Son, daughter, control your appetite. But it's this profound thing, so God gives them everything, and uh, they, yet they weren't satisfied. We call this, in terms of money, we call this, and we can use correct terminology and say, oh, it's keeping up with the Joneses, or in America they call it keeping up with the Kardashians. Here in South Africa, maybe keeping up with the Shabalalas. Whoever it is that you're trying to keep up with, the Bible actually doesn't call it that. The Bible calls it greed. The Bible doesn't pull any punches. It calls it lust. It calls it coveting. It calls it idolatry. Wanting what you don't have and, and desiring it more than what God has given you and, and not being content with what God has given you is called greed. There's a scripture that uh, all rugby players and, and, and sportsmen love to tattoo on their arm, and we love to put it on a coffee mug and quote it when we're going through tough times. And it says, ah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Ah, I can do all things through, repeat it after me. And you know, we, we say it a million times, thinking that's going to, it's a beautiful scripture, but we have to understand the context of it. It's in Philippians chapter 4, the verse before that, Paul is talking about money. Not trials, not challenges, but money. And he says, I have, I have had much and I have had little. And he said, I've learned to be content in all these things because I, through Christ who lives in me, I can do all things. Amen. Profound, profound thing. That that scripture that we turn into a little mantra is actually to do with money. And Paul's saying, I am content whether I have a lot or whether I have a little. Now, we're not saying have a lot is bad. We're not saying having little is bad. We're saying con your, whether your heart attitude, if you're content, that's the issue. And the profound thing here is that the way we get content is that it's not determined by our circumstances. Our contentment is not whether I have a lot or whether I'm struggling or if my bank balance is good. My contentment is your contentment driven by Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the same question I'd ask about your emotions. What, are you up or are you down determined by people liking you, but determined by your success in life, determined by whether the boss is really for you or he's really against you? What is determining your emotions in life is that your circumstances are your king. You'll be able to find very quickly what is ruling your life. 
And this is not a heavy, but this is to point us, because I think we need to be aware, because for, so, for many of us, we are ostriches with our head in the sand, just plowing on. And the Bible opens our eyes to see what God is calling us to. And that's what I'm hoping to do tonight. But this story goes on. Hebrews 13, verse 6, talks about that we can be content in all things, because He has promised He will never leave us, nor forsake us. I, I want to say this, and it's a, a profound thing for me. I read the Old Testament. And the nation Israel, who God's chosen people, they never did well with blessing. Every time they were blessed, they stuffed up and walked away from God straight away. Now, I'm not saying blessings from God. He blessed them. He gave it to them. But I think sometimes I think we're in more danger when we're blessed from walking away from God. Because we make the blessing the king. We make the blessing the desire of our hearts. And we end up walking away. Or our hearts grow cold. So I, I, I'll say whether you're in lots Rejoice. Thank you, God. Whether things are going well and, you, and finance is flowing. Beautiful. Thank you, God. But say, God, can I keep my heart content in you? Whether you're in lack and you're desperately wanting more, yes, trust God for breakthrough. That's beautiful things. But make sure. I think this is moments these are only you can know. As I said, greed is a very subtle thing. No one else can audit your life for you. Only you will know your heart. But I'm saying, you and the Spirit of God, but saying, God, is my desire for more because I'm wanting to be something else, wanting more because of what my hands or or my content in you? We'll tie this all together. But I think they're good questions to ask. Third and final posture, possibly my favorite. Number three is generosity. Genesis 1 gives us some, asks us to be stewards. Genesis 3, the man gives up contentment. Genesis 12, as man gives it up, God restores the mission back to mankind through a man named Abram. And he, he became, becomes the father of faith. And he says to Abram, that he gives us a hint of what God's heart is for mankind. He says to mankind, I want to bless you. It's God's desire. Don't hear what I'm not saying. God is for our blessing. He wants to bless us. But there's a comma. And he goes on and says, I want to bless you so that you will be a blessing to every family of the world. Amen. He wants to bless us so he can bless through us. The blessing is not to stop with us. And I love this understanding because John 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. A clue, if you want to know what our God is like, he's a generous God. He gives of his best. He's not withholding. If you're saying, where's God? And you, maybe you're new tonight saying, I'm going through a tough time. I don't know where God is. I want to tell you, God is still for you. He's still desperately to pour out his love. He wants to, his hand is outstretched to you. He has not retracted it. There's nothing you can do that, that, so that's too terrible for him to pull his hand back. But he says, take hold of it. Take hold of it. Take hold of what I'm giving you. But if you want to know, that's underlined my Bible. God gave, and he's a giving God. And we need to understand this lens of our God because we're never more like God, I believe, than when we are giving, Amen. than when we are being generous. Because it's who he is. It's the very character of our God. He's a generous God. Genesis 1, he gives the planet. John 3, he gives his son. Acts 2, he gives his spirit. He's a father who's pouring out all the time. And I really believe strongly that our generosity does not start with the state of our bank account. It starts with our view of God. I know some of the most generous people, the most generous people I know are people whose bank accounts are not positive often but they're people who've got a revelation of the Father. And I say, God, give us a revelation of you. It can't be compelled. It's not a program. It's not a, thing, a, a, a preaching sermon. Let's be generous, okay? They told us to, so let's do it. No, it has to be a revelation of God. God, show me who you are, the generous Father. And then change my heart, God. It needs to be a posture we get. There's a story I told this morning, but I, I found it to be profound. 
Years ago, when I was a teenager, my church there was going on a mission trip up to the Congo for five weeks. And the flights to the Congo are very expensive because the Congo. Okay? It's out there in, in the jungles there. But, um, and I really wanted to go on this trip, but it was a, a very big amount of money to go on it. And I remember asking my parents, and I had, as a teenager does, no clue about financial state. You know, I just thought money just came from everywhere. You know? oh, I have food tonight. It's cool. Where did it come from? Don't know. Don't care. It's good. And uh, so I didn't know about asking, and we were not in the, there was not an abundance of extra cash lying about. So unbeknownst to me, and the only full reality, reality of it hit me years later, my parents sold their second car, the second family car, to fund my trip to the Congo. Profound thing. It was an old car, <laughs> of course, but uh, it, it was an amazing thing where they sold this car at great cost to themselves, great inconvenience to the family, so that I would go. They did not know how important that trip would be for me. That trip was so significant. It changed the trajectory of my life, what I wanted to give my heart to for the rest of my life. God did deep things in me and changed the, the, what I would be doing for the rest of my life. My parents didn't know that, but I love the fact that they sowed in faith before they could see anything. They could see no facts, and yet they sowed. They did not know. They, it could have just been another thing, but they, my parents sowed in generosity, and I, I, I found that so profound because for me, we have to be a people who learn to sow even when we cannot see. Let me explain that. The Bible talks in a great narrative form in the, in the New Testament where it talks about money. The, the language they use often is that of a farmer. And maybe our city slickers don't really understand this, but Paul talks about uh, that when, 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 everyone get, when we get a salary, just to distill the, the, the theological concept here, he says when you get money, there's two ways to look at it. Well, there's one way to look at it, that, that there's two elements to it. Half, some of your money is bread to be eaten. Some of it is seed to be sown. The problem is, some of us don't know that. We think our salary, everything we get in, it's all for our consumption. And a lot of us are eating our seed. Farmers know that if you eat your seed, if you don't plant your seed, you're not going to get more bread. Now this is not a quid pro thing with God, I'll I'll do this and do it. No, no. God is a God who, who is a God who wants us to live in faith even in our finances. Faith is not just a thing we do at church and then, oh, but finances, no, no, no. Careful. It's this incredible thing, and I find that so profound that we need to be people. If, if there's one thing you remember besides that story I told at the beginning, more importantly, God, what, and out of my money, sit with my money, say, how much of this is bread for me to pay bills, to, for food, for entertainment, for those things? How much of this is seed for me to sow in generosity to the cause of Christ, to other people, to friends, to, to people who need breakthrough? How much of it is seed for me to sow? And I can tell you this one thing that I've learned of God. I have got a limited space of a number of years of financial dealings. Most of them have been big wake-up calls <laughs> a lot of the way. So I don't have much expertise except I, I look at the Word of God and, I, and I, look at, I look at the lives of people who've taken it, God at His Word. As I know this, like you cannot outgive the giver. He is the giver and there's no ways that you can outgive Him. And I believe strongly that he will never remain in your debt. If you think that you can give and, oh, God owes me that one, I'm telling you, God is incredible. I've seen him provide in ways I could never imagine. Just God is, is unbelievable. When we become a people of generosity and start seeing him as the generous father and we start to do it, things change. There's, to land this thing, before I call up Mr. McPherson, there's two rivers. You might have heard this before, but I think it's very profound. Two rivers in, in Israel. 
and both have the, the same source of the Sea of Galilee. One river is called the Red Sea. There's another one called the Dead Sea. The Red Sea, if you follow it, is teeming with life full of fish, full of uh, agriculture happening, and, and people, families gather, there. the whole um, the nation gather around, their life is revolves around the Red Sea, full of life. The Dead Sea, from the same source, is like its namesake, dead. It's a phenomenon. It's, it's, there's nothing lives in it. You can float on it because the salt content. It's like it's crazy. It's just dead. Red Sea and the Dead Sea. The incredible reality of that is they both have the same source, the only difference is one has an outlet. Both seas have the same source, only one has an outlet. God is a calling us to the people. He wants to bless us so he can bless through us. He's calling us to be conduits of his, of his provision, conduits of his blessing. He's wanting to show a world who don't think he's good, that he is good, because we are people who mirror our God, who says, I'm a father who gave, and his church are not people also going, mm. but we on a church who are doing this as well. Church, you say, sheesh, you look like your father. Hands out stretched, giving, being generous with time, generous with emotions, generous with finance, generous with uh, food in the fridge, generous with uh, helping people who can't pay rent, generous to the cause of Christ, generous with our money. Can we be that sort of people? It doesn't start with a series of money. It starts with the revelation of God. So I'm going to call up my good friend, Andrew McPherson, and we're going to ask him a few questions where the rubber hits the road and see... Uh, how well he does. No, I'm joking. Not a test. <laughs> but maybe. This is Andrew McPherson. He's married to Tandy and got two amazing girls. Um, you may know him as uh, Andrew Danger McPherson. Take a seat, Andrew. Let's give him a round of applause. Amazing man. Very quickly. Andrew, uh, you've had a, an incredible year. Uh, a year of lots of, I think, uh, there's, I love the, your story because it's, it's a real story. It's not this... Um, you know, people often think, you know, come to, God and he'll, come to God and he'll make you wealthy. Not the case. Um, and you're a faithful man. You're a man who serves God. You're a man who, who leads a life group. You're a man who leads a serving team. You're a man who prays. And yet this year has been hard in a number of senses. Uh, so can you bring us up to speed what, what had happened at the beginning of the year and some of those things? And, and then talk us through the year, what God's been doing in this area of uh, finances and contentment. And Thank you, Brett. Um, yeah, Gabe, but it has been a, I feel like I need something to rest my arms on. You're looking good. You're looking good. Every week. Every week. You do it well. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting year, but I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Um, at the age of 23, I'm 40 at the moment. Yeah. There we go. Um, I get a very nice promotion from Johannesburg to Cape Town. Never been to Cape Town on holiday, so I didn't even know where the place was. And um, accepted the promotion. Flew into Cape Town and had, at the age of 23, a 35-year-old rep, a 46-year-old rep, and a 50-something-year-old rep reporting into me. Had no idea other than how to lead people or how to manage people but all I did know was how to sell. And it's a toy company, and that's basically what I could do. <clears throat> and over the years, you acquire the skills, and you climb the corporate ladder, and um, in a very short space of time, I started earning ridiculous money, really a lot of money, driving all the fancy cars and living pretty much where we were comfortable to live. 
and um, there was an arrogance about me. Um, I'm that good, you know. I deserve that car. I deserve to live where I'm living. Got a beautiful young family, and uh, and then God takes you on a journey, and you start. He takes some things away. That um, was a journey that started, um, whereby I was asked to trim 43% of my staff complement, and I had a manager's cap, and I had a heart that was yay big, and I made a hard decision, and I bowed out, and um, pretty much resigned, and by default saving everybody else's jobs, and please just hear my heart, I'm not trying to no, yeah. um, put the focus on me, but that was a four-year journey, and in that four years, we saw ups and downs, and um, had good times, had tough times, had very tough times. Um, and then, you know, you, God has a way of just dealing with you and taking away the layers, take, taking away the layers. And eventually you get to the point where you have nothing but God. The phone calls to the bank manager for the overdraft and for the credit cards and to a brother and a sister and a mom to bail out. All those avenues are exhausted. So you get to the point where you honestly have nothing but where you get to the point where you just say, Lord, I surrender. I'm here. And um, that's pretty much where this year started for us. So <clears throat> uh, I left the company that I worked for. I um, went on my own for two years. Uh, didn't like the commission-earning avenue and seeked employment again. Um, I had to humble myself to work for a lot less money. Um, probably a third of what I used to earn. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much where the beginning of this year started for us. And then at the beginning of the year, you had that job, and then uh, February rolls around, yeah. and things change again. So I work for another toy company for two years, and it goes great, until they get liquidated in Feb. I get a phone call on the 9th of Feb saying they're closing tomorrow. No warning, no nothing, and yet again, you stand there like, God, where are you? What, what's happening? I mean, is, are you actually there? And uh, yeah, it wasn't fun, but again, there were layers and layers that needed to be removed. Um, and at some point in time, things just snap, and you realize that, you know, it's, I don't want to say testing, but the arrogance becomes less. You, you start standing on, on the promises of God. We don't read the word of God anymore like a storybook. When it says, do not fear, um, you stand on that. When Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. He will direct your path. Um, not always easy. And um, so, yeah, February, the liquidation, we were a lot stronger. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And I love... For me, knowing your story, um, that's, that's an, um, a huge insecure time for a family as well. You've got two girls, you've got a, an amazing wife, but I think anyone would be insecure. Suddenly, provider is no longer provider in that sense. And, and that inside of you as well must be a challenge as a dad of the home. What, tell us your response to that. And uh, I know there, was some, there are dark days, there are tough days, because and, and sure. jobs 
didn't open up straight away, and things you couldn't find working that way. And so what did you do? How do you balance trusting God and, and actually, be, but also being proactive and saying, but I'm, I'm going to push in and lead my family and lead looking for new avenues? So in your quiet time, you, you just start getting a lot more sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the prompting, and those great ideas that you think you have aren't your ideas, they're God ideas. Um, we just need to get to the point where we start being obedient to that prompting. Um, and that for me was the case. Um, you know, we, at the time we were part of a, a life group, and I know the life group leader at the time struggled with where does the church fit in? And in his mind, the church must pay the rent, or the bond, and the cars, and the food. And I think that's the last thing we needed, because the character building, the development that happened, and the trusting that we pretty much were forced to trust, trust um, you know, had somebody paid my bond, I wouldn't have experienced that. I wouldn't have gone through that. I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to, to trust him. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's an awesome time. I can reflect on that now and say it was an awesome time because it was a time of equipping. But you've got two teenage daughters and dad, we don't want scramble eggs for dinner again. You get to the point where you're just a little bit more transparent and you don't have to divulge everything to them, but you need to, for their growth, yeah. share some within reason. Beautiful. At 13 and 15, they can also only accept and absorb so much. But again, the prompting, Lord says, share that, and that's what you share with them. Age appropriate, and um, there. And then you, because I love that, that vulnerability, but then you moved on, uh, and, and you, started, um, you, you started doing your own stuff as well uh, to, to make things happen. Um, can you t- tell us about that, just around, say, uh, I think a lot of, a lot of us often, we, we pray, God, would you change my circumstances? Yeah. And then, but God, God is also a God who says, yeah, but put a, you know, step out in faith sure, as well. Sure. Faith is not waiting. Yeah. It's also actively, actively waiting. It is definitely that. Um, but just to add to that, so you're unemployed. I was unemployed for five weeks after they got liquidated. You can sit at home and feel sorry for yourself, or you can surround yourself with godly men um, in a little 18-square-meter garage and go and gym with um, people like oh, Mr. Roberts there, and just apart from the spiritual muscle development or the muscle development, the spiritual muscles they grew, and you know, you sit there and surround yourself with godly men, and that's a choice. Um, and boldly stepping out and just whatever the prompting is to act on whatever God has has put on your heart. So, um, you know, there was a there was a lot of things that I try to do in my own strength, because as a man. That's what we try and do. You're the provider, and you want to provide. Of course you do. But if you're trying to do it in your own strength, it's going to take you to a point. You, you can't do everything. Um, so just standing, leaning, trusting, taking the word of God literally, um, and acting on it. And uh, then things changed. And again, God, God opened a door that was supernaturally opened and something that you didn't see coming. Sure. Um, Talk us through that high point and what God's doing there, yeah. So, yeah, God did open a door. Um, still in the same industry, a little bit of toy on the side. I'm not earning what I was needing to earn to pay what I needed to pay. And what I had done was, because of my background, I used to fight. Um, and a personal training avenue, if you will, opened up where people started approaching me. And giving me hands, handfuls of money, saying, please, coach me for the month, 
And if a, if a gym contract cost you X, two people came to me and gave, giving me, I promise you, six times that amount for the month, saying, please show me how to lose weight. Show me how to defend myself. Um, show me, show me, show me. And those are all just little things that I believe God said, I'll show you. You believing, you trusting, this is how it gets, how it gets done. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, it's, you know, we all say we don't hear from God. And sometimes we don't hear audibly from God. But people approaching me out of the blue, just, yeah. And I'm talking about meaningful amounts of money. Um, but, yeah, God just continued opening those doors. We continued being faithful and just doing what we felt we needed to do. And um, last month company that I worked for for 12 years that I had resigned from um, called me up and made me a very good offer. And uh, I've been working for them for about three weeks now, or two, sorry, two weeks, so I'm in my second week. Um, and the money I was earning in 2010 plus, and it's just, God has been so good. Brilliant, eh? Yeah. I, I think it's an amazing story for me because it's a, uh, if, he's in, if you know Andrew and you get up close and personal, you know I love his vulnerability. This man doesn't only share when times are good. He's a man who speaks and, and shares and, and, and is honest about it. And I think that's who we are as a community. We're not a community who just live triumphalistically. You know, there are, there are dark days. And I know there are times, and, 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 but those days were handled with the word of God, handled with uh, settling and dealing with his heart and bring it under, and saying, God, would you, would you make me content with what you've got? And, 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 but also leading a family. I love the way you led your family with honesty um, but with strength as well. Even though you didn't feel strong, you went to the Word and led it from that strength. Sure, sure. And uh, we just want to say you're an amazing man in our community, and we really are s- celebrate with you uh, from what, what God's provided. But we, we really also celebrate what God is doing and using you as a sign and a wonder. I really believe that this is what God is wanting to do in us here. He's wanting to, we have a, a community in this area with a large unemployment rate. And we're trusting God for breakthrough. We really do want God. We don't believe in prosperity gospel, but we do believe in a father who opens up. The Bible says he gives us the ability to produce wealth. God gives us. So we are really trusting for that. And, and I really believe even Andrew's story tonight is a prophetic story, not that you have to go through the depths of what he went through. But God is saying in this moment, let's, let's do work with our hearts because God is after our hearts. He is after our hearts. He's not after our wallets. He's after our heart. But sometimes he knows he has to go through our wallet to get there because sometimes we've set our wallets as king. So I'm going to ask us, I'm going to pray for us if that's all right. Tonight it's a different, maybe a bit more somber, but I, uh, I really pray that God's doing something. And I really, so if, if you are like me, I, I really am. I'm a man, a young man who's just starting my journey, just starting this understanding of how to budget, not just for next this month, but for the future and, and dreaming that thing within the, what's saying, God, would you expand my vision for what you call this to? But also God, keep my heart content. And keep my heart fixed on you and keep me a generous man. God, give us, I want more so I can be more generous. I want to be known as radically generous. I want our church to be like that church in Philadelphia who've spent 200,000 US dollars on one guy from Zimbabwe. I want to be that church. I want to be people who are ridiculous, known, they are generous. But because our hearts are so satisfied with our king that we're not dictated by whether we have a lack or whether we have a lot, we're dictated who sits on the throne. So can I pray for us? Whether you're saying, maybe it's Andrew's story, saying, God, give me courage. I'm trusting for breakthrough. Maybe you're saying, God, I'm trusting for breakthrough in my heart. I want to be a better steward. I want to I I be a man who's faithful for, with my money. 
John Piper, sorry, before I pray, just says this famous preacher. He said, there's many young men and women these days who who saying, when he asks, what, what, are you, what, is, what are you asking God for? And they, they name and claim with the bigger stage, bigger audience. I want fame. I want, I want to do big things for God. That sounds beautiful and exciting. But he says, too few people are saying, I want to be faithful. Because God says, if you're faithful, he gives more. That's the strategy. It's not about you know, uh, name and claim. It's faithful people who change the world. And I'm saying, God, would we be faithful with money? Would we be a people who are faithful and generous? So whether stewardship, contentment, you're wrestling with contentment, whether you're wanting to, you're saying, God, give me the spirit of generosity. I want to pray for you. So Father, I pray for us as a people with hearts open wide in a, in a, in a low-key moment, it's not a moment of hype, not trying to stir up our emotions, but God saying, we come under your word this evening. We thank you for testimony. We thank you for your word. And we choose, as Andrew said, take your word, you at your word. That you're a good father. You're not a, a jukebox. You're not a, a, a waiter. You're not there just to be tipped. You're there to be served. And we lay our lives down for you, God, knowing that you're a God who provides all our needs. You're a faithful God. And we want to be faithful with the good things you give us. We trust you for this deep work you're doing in our hearts. We love you, Jesus, so that we'll be able to pray as Paul did. We've had lots, we've had little, and we're able to be content in whatever season you have us in. Because through Christ, we can do all things. I pray this for this amazing community. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, everyone. Hope you enjoyed your evening. And, uh, oh, thank you for the question. Yeah. Andrew's going to share something, and then we'll wrap it up. Sorry, I had about an hour's notice, so in typical Gabe fashion, you get the phone call an hour before. Um, I'm just sensing in my heart that um, obedience, for us to be obedient to what God is saying to us. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, in the time that I was unemployed, my daughter approached me saying, Dad, the mission trip is coming, coming up, and she goes to West Coast Christian School, and they were off to Namibia with a couple of um, Life Changes members as well. And there's obviously a cost involved. We didn't have the funds for it, but we committed saying that we, we said, yes, we'll complete the paperwork. You are going on the mission trip, knowing that we do not have the money for it. And God just opened up a door. I had a lady from Stellenbosch phoning me from Butterfly World or one of those little places, wanting product from me, which I couldn't provide anymore because the company that I worked for got liquidated. But there were 2,000 pieces of this particular item still within in my possession which belonged to the company, and when I phoned the boss man, I said, I've still got the stock, what do I do with it? They said, listen, you write it off the cost of the transport back to Joburg versus the value of the product just didn't make sense. So it's yours, dump it, throw it away, do whatever you want. Um, it happened to be the exact monetary value, wow. exact num- within 100 rand of what we needed for that mission trip. We paid it with a smile, my daughter went and came back and God still provided and still kept on giving and just, there was no lack ever, really. Awesome. So yeah, obedience. Cool. We're going to end on that note. So if you're saying, God, I, I need, to, I want to react, I want to respond to that word of obedience. It's something that I need, I need to make a step of faith tonight. There's something that needs to shift. I'm going to ask, Andrew's going to stand up front, come and ask him to pray for you. There's, God's got a grace in his life. So let's, let's come and say, I, I need prayer. And it's going to be an amazing moment. We would love to do that for you.